Okay. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it isn't an obligation to ourselves to live our lives on the basis of selfishness. If you live on the basis of selfishness, you're going to die. But if you put to death the actions of the body with the spirit, you will live. All who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption, a spirit that shows you are adopted as God's children. With this spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. But if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church. I forgot I could... Take my mask off. There we go. Well, uh, first I just have to say that uh, you really got to pause and think when on your last sermon uh, you have a request to keep it short. Um, I just, I'll be thinking about that for a while. Um, I know that people are worried about the future, a lot of transitions going on, new faces, goodbyes are difficult. Just want to remind you, it took you a long time to warm up to me, <laughs> but you got there. There are good things in store for you and for all of God's people. And I love this passage because it talks about all of us being children of God with a direct connection to the Spirit. All of us who have faith in Christ have a direct connection. As I was trying to decide uh, what to uh, preach about today, um, I went back and read some of the materials that I'd saved from when I left Marion Epworth, which was my last uh, full-time, a permanent appointment. And uh, one of the people who uh, spoke that day of the laity of the congregation said, you know, Colleen left so much of herself here. She gave so much of herself here. I wonder that there's going to be anything left of her to move on. And uh, I was, I was uh, touched by that. I do try to put everything I can into ministry. Uh, but what he didn't know is that I was going on to another church, another community of faith. Uh, it took a little while to get to King Avenue, but I was going on to another community of faith, and I get filled back up by all of you, by other Christians who share their life's journey with me. I get filled back up. So I'm always being renewed in the community of faith. There's always enough to go around. Uh, a few weeks ago, you, you uh, actually, I guess it was just last week, you may have uh, heard 
Tresha Holdren's witness, where she talked about becoming a spiritual director. And, and uh, she mentioned that I had uh, talked with her and encouraged her to go to a spiritual director and, and then to become a spiritual director. But what Tricia didn't know and what she couldn't have told you was that as a result of the conversations we had that took her in that direction, I also, hearing her hunger to connect with God more deeply, remembered that I had once had a spiritual director and I really benefited from it and I started going back to a spiritual director. She didn't know to tell you that. But it's just a small example of the way the wonderful conversations and sharing that I've been able to have with almost every single one of you over some point in time in these last seven years, you filled me up because we're children of God together. And that's what children of God do for each other. They encourage and spur and carry one another forward. You remember the story in the Gospels where it's in the book of Mark where uh, there's a paralytic and, and four of the paralytic's friends carry them on a mat to go to Jesus to hear him and to be healed. And, and they can't get to Jesus, so they tear a hole in the roof and lay, lower him down through the roof. And this man never says a word. We don't know anything about what he's thinking. But Jesus looks at the friends and says, as he heals the man, your faith has made you well. The faith of his friends. I think that that story, in one way or another, is repeated thousands of times every day in faith communities. And I know it's repeated here. So I want you to know that regardless of what official leadership does you, all of us are children of God with a direct connection to the Spirit. And because I was thinking about this so much and really wondering about what I would say today, with this passage about the Spirit of adoption, that Spirit that makes it possible for us to live life triumphantly, righteously, even after Paul's just talked about what a, what a terrible trap it can be to know what you should be doing but not have the power to be able to make yourself do it. What is the answer? Being bonded to Christ and being bonded to Christ is like the spirit of adoption. As I thought about spirit of adoption, I just sent an email in uh, middle of this, the week to a woman who worships here who asked not to be named uh, and, and asked her if she might reflect on the spirit of adoption because she herself is an adopted child and has adopted a child. And it took barely 45 minutes for her to email me back and what she emailed me was good enough actually better I, I would say this to be an entire sermon and I really could have used the exact words that she shared but instead I'm going to share just some of it 
because she beautifully speaks to what the spirit of adoption is. God is an adopting parent. So why? What is the spirit of adoption? How did you come to this point? She says, and I'm quoting, adoption initially was interchangeable with giving birth, but over time, for various reasons, it then became preferable, in part because I saw it as a chance to give back. I'd been with a foster family for two months before I was placed with my mom and dad, and I was lucky that I had found a home. Now, I was worried about uh, health issues that could accompany a baby who was taken into care. And I filled out the form they give you with a hundred options uh, and questions, and I specifically stated I was okay with, with some health conditions, but maybe not others. I was worried that I would get attached or see a baby return home to a bad situation. But then I also realized what a terrible thing it would be if I didn't get attached. Other people have stronger hearts, but I was going to be shortchanging any child who came to me if I held back, and why shouldn't I be the one who got hurt? I was the adult. They were the child. And I realized that being hurt was a kind of transfusion or organ donation. Babies need love as much as they can get, and if loving them meant getting hurt, that was okay. She goes on later, generally adoption is choice. I choose to adopt, and God chooses to adopt us. I think there's been a lot of necessary discussion of the falsehoods and danger of choosing a baby, and rightly so. I chose to adopt, but I didn't know who that baby would be until she was home and growing and waking up and screaming in the night. And it's a choice I continue to make, choosing to love who she is instead of the imaginary baby Jane she held in her head for so long. I will choose to love her at 4 and 10 and 16 and 32. I will choose to love her when and if she hits me or hates me or denies I'm her mother. I will choose to love her if she loves sports, that's her bois, or loves death metal or loves really, really tight pants. I will love her if she's really a him or a them. I choose to love whoever she is and whoever she will become. And God chooses this too, with full knowledge of our worst and best. In fact, I think it's easier for God to make the choice because he knows exactly how it all turns out in the end while we only have the highlights. He chooses to love us when we don't even know ourselves. And this choice of love differs from the responsibility that comes with being a biological parent and that there's a certain level of have to, of involuntary affection or attention, if you will. The law recognizes that you need to feed and clothe and house your child, but the spirit of adoption is so much more. It's the embrace and support of your child's strengths and weaknesses, loves and hates, capacity for good and sin. You don't just walk away at 18 and put your hands up, you keep cheering them on or berating them as they grow into the person they were meant to become. Good bio-parents adopt, too, I guess, is what I'm saying. 
What a beautiful description of the spirit of adoption on God's part. But then she goes on to hint at our part in the spirit of adoption. And I'm still quoting. My mother made this choice for both me and my brother. After years of turmoil and trauma, my brother walked away from her when he was 29 and her first grandchild was not yet one. He'd occasionally reach out again, but never for long, and it didn't go well. This last year, he called her at Easter. I picked up the phone and realized I'd missed him. Despite being so vocal about what he'd done in the past, she spoke to him, and we've all been speaking ever since. My mother's still a little afraid about the fragility of the relationship, but she keeps choosing to love him, pray for him, and be his mother. And she does this for me, too, even though I've been easier, but by no means easy. God chooses this for us, too. Not just because he created us, not just because we're part of him, but because he wants a relationship with us, a relationship of joy instead of duty, love instead of fear, choice instead of obligation. We talk about choosing our friends and recognize it's an honor or mark of special recognition to do so. Choosing family is the same, but harder. You're in it for a much longer haul, and the object of your choice is an ever-changing object. Now I end my quote. This person, child of God, giving testimony, sitting in the pews, praying and hearing the stories so many of you, has blessed me immeasurably. You are all children of God. The Spirit is connected to you, to your speech. Now, the spirit of adoption on our part is that we have an opportunity to choose which family identity we will embrace. In the passage, it talks about the the spirit of being uh, led by our lives based on selfishness or the spirit of adoption, the spirit of being an inheritor of Christ's grace. I uh, had wonderful conversations with Confirmation Youth, and I shared with you on, on Confirmation Sunday some of the wonderful insights they shared with me. Uh, but they also felt comfortable enough to be honest and sometimes shared with me some real stuff too. I asked them at one point uh, if they were interested in going on a mission, a work mission trip. And uh, some said, well, it depends on where it is. Or it depends on what kind of work you have to do. Or it depends on whether or not you like the people or you know the people or mm, I think I'd rather hang out with my friends. Now, let me just say I'm not dissing on youth because adults would do the same thing but they'd do it in a more subtle way because they know that wasn't the right Sunday school answer. We all have a choice to live by 
the things that are centered around us and our comfort and our survival and or a choice to live by the story of grace and love and self-sacrifice that gave us birth. I'm so glad that I've had a chance to hear your stories. Thank you for the letters that I know I'm going to get. And I, I wish I had a chance to write down a letter to each one of you because for me, the heart of ministry is in the one-on-one -on -one conversations and prayer that we've shared. I have grown and been blessed immeasurably by that. We're all children of God. The community of faith is rich, is rich, as long as people are seeking to identify with Christ and connect with one another. Thank you for allowing me to connect with you. I pray and ask for your blessings as I go on and try to help another congregation get used to me. <laughs> Hope it's a little faster there than it was here. <laughs>